This is Bigger Questions, with Andrew Laird filling in for your regular host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the Melbourne CBD. I'm Andrew Laird, filling in for your usual host, Robert Martin. Today's big question is, isn't God angry and judgmental? And my guest today is Shane Rogerson. Shane is the pastor of the Anglican Church in Paran in Melbourne Southeast. Before becoming a Christian, he identified as a Marxist atheist. Uh, he was once a wannabe rugby player, but in his words, he would have been really good if it weren't for his lack of speed, strength, stamina and skill. Uh, so would you please welcome Shane Rogerson. Thank you. To kick off bigger questions, one of the things we like to do is ask a couple of smaller questions. We like to have a bit of fun on the show. Sure. Today we're talking with Shane Rogerson about whether God is angry and judgmental. So Shane, our smaller questions for you today are about angry young men. I'll, I'll <laughs> ask you in a moment whether that has uh, any resonance or relates to you at all. Sure. But here we go. Two questions, multiple choice. First question is this. Who wrote the hit song angry young man was it a billy joel b elton john c donald trump or d justin bieber oh it's a tough one i ha i think it is and this dates me it's a billy joel you're correct Thank it you. is a yes. give shane a round of applause well done one out of two so far so you've at least passed second question in the song angry young man complete this lyric there's always a place for the angry young man with his fist in the air and his head in the sand. And he's never been able to learn from mistakes. Is the next line A, which is why he always bakes terrible cakes? Is it B, just get it together for goodness sakes? C, it's why in the night he always wakes? Or D, so he can't understand why his heart always breaks? I think we could take out A and B. Yep. Waking in the night because of anger, possibly. But I'm going to go with D. It's the broken heart that comes from anger. And you're absolutely right. Well done. Two out of two. Give Shane a round of applause. Thank you. <laughs> well done. So, Shane, you're a, you're a bit of an expert on angry young men, it seems. <laughs> Tell me. Um, I think we all appreciate and understand what Billy Joel is talking about when he talks about the angry young man. Were you ever an angry young man? Uh, I would say, uh, well, I'd like to say I was still a young, angry young man. I'm <laughs> probably an angry old man now. Uh, but yeah, I, I would have fitted into the, well into the category of an angry young man. Um, that, that, was, that was me. Yeah, okay. So t tell us what sort of things made you angry or what sort of things still make you angry? I think when you met me in my early teens, you wouldn't have thought I was particularly angry, but by my late teens, I was pretty fired up. I, if you met me, I looked angry. I, I kind of had the shaved head and the cut-off army pants and the dock boots, and I wanted to give the impression that I was angry with you, even if I wasn't at the time. I was very sensitive to injustices in the world. I can mm -hmm. remember, uh, and this does date me, uh, at the uh, first state, 88, uh, was when we uh, celebrated 200 years uh, of European settlement in Australia. And my, my parents went on to Sydney Harbour in a yacht. Mm -hmm. And I stayed at home. I wore black. 
and refuse to celebrate Australia Day because Australia has a black history. And, and I, I was really kind of um, angry at, at kind of injustice that I saw. I was also uh, often quite angry at myself uh, mm -hmm. for, for choices and decisions I've made and ways in which I'd sort of blown things. I was also angry whenever I came across cover-ups or lack of disclosure okay. uh, because of my own personal history. You got any examples of, of that? Yeah, I never knew who my dad was growing up and it was never really explicitly told to me that I'd been adopted. Uh, I discovered, actually, I, I, I'd never really realised until I came, accidentally came across some papers that were sort of floating around in a drawer and no one was direct with me. And so as a result, one of the things in life, whenever, whenever anyone was indirect mm. or didn't quite tell you the truth and I could cotton onto that, I got really, really uptight with people, really frustrated and, and sometimes just outwardly angry. The other thing is when people just aren't straight with you, I mm. find that really difficult. Mm. Was your anger ever expressed on the rugby field? <laughs> Yeah, just so you don't, I don't want to give you the impression that I was a professional rugby player. Sure. Uh, I was SAS, uh, Saturdays and Sundays, uh, weekend warrior. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, was, I was the kind of person that was held on the field, not by motivation or skill, but basically by elastoplast and all those other kind of bandages <laughs> which keep you going. Um, but yeah, on the rugby field, I found uh, I love rugby for, for a number of reasons, but it was an outlet for me in terms mm. of just... You know, I was in a desk job, no heavy lifting. And so this was a great opportunity to get out there and be physical. But I, I often found um, I was very good at helping referees in their decision-making. <laughs> um, and they appreciated that help, I'm they sure. They often appreciated it. In fact, uh, my mouth guard was in my hand more than it was in my mouth because I often was sort of waving at them like a, a magic Harry Potter wand trying to reverse a decision that they'd made. Any particular examples of uh, getting angry on the rugby field? Yes, and I played rugby uh, into my 30s, so I was already an ordained minister at this time, mm. known in the local community as a pastor in the church and, uh, you know, doing my best on the field. And uh, I once found my, myself on the ground, someone's boot on my chest. Uh, I, I perceived that there was a slight injustice in that and... Uh, Wanting to help the referee in bringing this to his attention, I grabbed the person by the scruff of the neck and began to try and rearrange their face. Um, obviously, uh, that didn't go so well for me. I didn't stay on the field too much longer. And this just incredible anger was coming out of me and I was, I was fired up. And uh, I was also then quite embarrassed because uh, I kind of had brought... Uh, my, my trade into disrepute somewhat. Yeah. What did your teammates say? <laughs> my teammates, they, they had no problem with a bit of anger and aggression on the field. They liked the fact that I was an aggressive player. Uh, but it did, it did lead to an unfortunate uh, cry which would come from the side of the field any time after then, once I returned to the field, which was, give us some Old Testament reverend. <laughs> Uh, so they, they saw this as a, you know, me being sort of fire and brimstone mm. as I smacked people down on the field. Which is interesting because obviously there was a perception amongst your teammates at least that there was something about the Old Testament Bible and perhaps the God of the Old Testament who is angry and judgmental. Very much so. The, the idea a God of judgment and anger and wrath, uh, in fact the God that people tend to have, a, that idea people tend to have a great deal of difficulty with, but mm. in the context of where you want justice mm. and anger, 
it's uh, called on. We'll explore that a little bit more in a moment. But just thinking about how you or perhaps others, we try and address anger in our culture today. What are some of the things that you might have done or some of the advice that you might have heard for how to deal with anger? Yeah, I can remember when uh, I was moving into this role as a a leader in the church and a, a wise older leader suggested to me, knowing I was the angry young man, who didn't suffer fools gladly, mm. um, he suggested it'd be worth talking to someone. Uh, and, and so I, I had about six sessions with a counsellor and, you know, it was, it was, it was, this was 25 years ago and the counsellor basically set up the room with a couple of cushions and encouraged me to sort of talk to the cushions and tell them while I, while I was angry at them and it even hit them if I felt like it. So it was, it was really, the advice was, uh, don't suppress your anger, Shane. Vent it. Get it out there. Let people know. That's good. That's a good thing. Mm. You mentioned the idea of kind of venting your anger as being a way of responding with anger. It's interesting. Uh, you've told me before that in the States, for example, there are places called anger rooms, and we've got our own version here in Melbourne, break rooms, places where, and I quote one of their websites, you can let your hair down, gear up, and destroy real-life mocked rooms that simulate an actual workplace, living area, or kitchen, complete with dummies, mannequins, TVs, tables, and many, many more breakable items. The idea of venting your anger is a way of dealing with it, but why doesn't that work? Well, uh, it's, it's attractive, i got to say. <laughs> the, the one good thing about a break room or venting anger is at least you're recognising that you're angry. Okay. And, and, and one of the, the dangers with anger is it's often very clever at, at not letting you realise that it's actually impacting you. Mm. But the problem with just venting anger and then compounding anger is that you actually don't deal with the cause of the anger in the first place. It, and, and anger has a way of just sort of snowballing. Mm. Uh, angry people get angrier and angrier and angrier. And you just leave, a, a, you know, whether it's interpersonally or personally or, you know, in your relationships or the workplace, you just end up being a wrecking ball uh, that leaves a path of destruction. Mm. Well, tell us about some of those effects of anger. Has an impact upon our health, is that right? Yeah, well, there's all kinds of studies which, which, which say that if, uh, if you're an angry person, you're more likely to have heart disease, uh, more likely for stroke, uh, depression, anxiety. Uh, in fact, you, you'll, you won't live as long. So if you've got a really angry person in your life, just hold on because they won't be around that much longer because <laughs> angry people die earlier. Wow. It really... It, and, the, and the Bible talks about the fact that um, anger is like a cancer in your bones. It... it, it it, it destroys you internally. It tears you apart. It rips apart the fabric of your soul. Mm. But physically, it also has this impact upon you. Mm. It impacts your physical health. No doubt it, it affects your relationships too. Oh, absolutely. Um, you try living with an angry person, um, uh, they become wrecking balls. You know, um, Anyone who's ever lived with a significantly angry person just knows how interpersonally, how it, it rips the, f- the fabric of community to pieces. Mm. And what about decision-making? Does anger impact our ability to make good decisions? Well, I don't know about you, but, I mean, when I'm angry, I make bad decisions. In okay. fact, what's a good reason? And there's lots of good reasons why you should never hit anyone. But usually the time you hit someone is when you're angry. And then mm. if you did, later on you then go, oh, my goodness, what have I done? Because mm. the thing about anger, it actually destroys our, our capacity to reason. It fragments our ability to actually process properly. 
Mm. And therefore, often an angry person will, will look back on this trail of destruction and say, oh my goodness, what have I done? Why did I say that? Why did I do that to that person? And, um, and then you have the regret that goes with that. It's interesting. There's actually a, you mentioned the Bible saying a lot about anger. There's a, there's a proverb in the Bible that, that says really that a hot tempered person must pay the penalty, rescue them, and you'll have to do it again. I guess it's kind of like what Billy Joel was talking about in that song that the angry young man, he's never been able to learn from his mistakes. Yeah. And the thing about anger is it's very addictive. Uh, so the, the reason you can't rescue a person from their anger is, is that it, it, the more they, they feed the anger, the more they live on it and thrive by it. Mm. Um, and, and it can really blind them in that. Yeah, okay. So there's lots of reasons why anger is not a good thing. Uh, it affects our health, our relationships, our ability to make uh, good decisions. Yeah. There's another proverb that you've mentioned to me before. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. What does that proverb from the Bible say about anger? I think, I think this is the vegan's choice of Bible verses. How so? Uh, well, it basically says, better lettuce and love than steak with hate. <laughs> and, and, and what it's recognising is that if you feed on hate, hmm. it will rip you apart and rip your relationships apart. But better a light salad with love. Mm. And you'll do much better in life. As much as we, we, we fool ourselves into thinking that we need this stake of hate, mm. but let us with love is actually what, what is not only good for our, our, our soul, but good for us interpersonally and community and, and for our society as a whole. Mm. So anger sounds like a terrible thing. We've just had a question come through. Is it ever a good thing? Absolutely. Tell us how. My daughter yesterday had her 15th birthday mm. uh, and she wanted to go out on Monday night. And so I let her go out with a friend and she caught public transport homes. And she, she affirms me and says, Dad, you're a wonderful dad because you trust me and let me go out. Mm. But I had a moment on Monday night where I was thinking, what if something's happened to her? Mm. Um, what would I do? And uh, I, I think I'd read the paper too much that day. And I, I just all of a sudden was overcome with this, these kind of feelings of anger if someone would ever do anything to my precious daughter. Because I love her, mm. uh, I'm, I'm angry if anything happens to her. My anger would be an expression of my love for her. Mm. And it's a good anger. Uh, when I see something that is good and lovely and just and right which is then destroyed or stolen or taken away, it's right to feel angry. Mm. Uh, I was reading the paper the other day and I, I saw the, the, the chemical attacks uh, in Syria where Assad is, is destroying his own people. Mm. And I was reading the paper at the time and, and in, in my own sort of thought bubble at the time and I, I just let out an expletive and I, and I just said, we've got to get this guy. And, and it was partly, it was a, I think, a, a, there was a, a just cause in being angry mm. that someone could be so destructive to his own people. Mm. And so there's many times where I think it's good and right to be angry. Um, and not, not in a kind of blow up way. But in a but in a, a just kind of anger. Well, I was going to ask you that. So anger obviously can reflect the things that we love, but what might good anger then look like as it manifests itself? Well, um, if you're blowing up in anger, that's mm. that's rarely going to be good for anyone. Um, by the way, if if you're never angry, that that actually is just as destructive. 
Because if you see someone who's being hurt or harmed or put down and, and you do nothing about that, if you, if you feel no anger, then uh, obviously you don't love them. Mm. Um, in fact, you're indifferent towards them. And the opposite of, of love is not anger. The opposite of love is, is indifference. And how much do you have to really hate someone to not do anything about it? Hmm. So, so there's this kind of blow-up anger or then there's no anger. But I think there is a, a just and right anger, what, what, what I think the Bible calls a slow anger, okay. which is what we need to be cultivating. Hmm. Well, there's a verse in the Bible that says, in your anger do not sin. Does that perhaps help us as well in understanding what good anger might look like? Yeah, I think so. Well, there was a time where people said uh, it's not right to be angry at all. I think that then our culture shifted to say, you know, let's, let's you should be angry all the time. Get, you know, don't um, get even. You know, get don't get angry, get even. Um, but the Bible has this uh, recognition that there there is things that are just and good and right to be angry about. But what you do with that that cause of anger is where we work out whether we're actually honouring God and honouring our neighbour, mm. whether we're sinning, in other words. So there's, there's good anger and there's bad anger, and that's often around how we express it. Mm-hmm. But critics of Christianity often point to God and him being an apparently angry God as being one of the objections to the Christian faith. Richard Dawkins, for example, this is how he puts it. He says, the God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction, jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser. And then he goes on to conclude that God is a capriciously malevolent bully. So is Dawkins right? I think the way Dawkins writes actually is a great expression of anger. He's one of the most angry writers you can come across. Yeah. I read Dawkins and I get angry (laughs) because I just feel he so badly misrepresents the God of the Bible and and he makes these kind of broad sweeping caricatures which in any court would be rebellious. And and so I I think in one sense his his treatment of God and his representation of God Mm. is quite unfair and unjust. But Dawkins is obviously tapping into something there. Your rugby teammates, the comment they, they made about give them some Old Testament reverend. There's a perception that, that God is this angry God. So is God angry or what's his anger like? To be honest, many Melburnians would be indifferent or apathetic about God. But if they were to believe in God, they want to believe in a God who is loving and they have difficulty with the idea of a God who is angry. But if, if you have a God that is not angry, then you have a God that doesn't care about anything. Because anger reveals. Because anger reveals. So if, if you want to understand what you really love, then think back to a time when you've been really angry. What, what, what in your life have you got angry about? What's been dear to you that's been threatened? Hmm. And I think if we understand that anger is an out, out, outworking and an expression of love, we then begin to see somewhat of what God cares about and why he gets angry. Mm. So you can't actually have a loving God who isn't also angry. Is that right? If God is not angry, he's not loving. Mm. Yes. Well, our question today is, isn't God angry and judgmental? And I think a passage which explicitly states that God does get angry, but tells us something about his anger, is Exodus chapter 34. Uh, It's a passage from the Old Testament, the Old Testament God, but it also reveals something about what God loves as well. 
So the context of this passage is that God is he's speaking to Moses. He's describing his character to Moses. And we read in that passage, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So what does that passage tell us about God and his anger? It's a profound passage because here you have Moses saying, I really want to understand what you're like, God. And, and God, God says, okay, I'll, I'll reveal something of who I am. And he says, I'm slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. The idea of a, a slow anger is, is patience. You see this in parenting. Uh, when you see a child who does something which is stupid, something which hurts them or hurts their brother and sister or hurts another human being, it's right that you would be angry at that. But slow anger, an anger that is actually for the child and because you love them, mm-hmm. it expresses it in patience. So what is God's anger reveal specifically about what or or who he loves well clearly god hates anything that unravels human life and this good creation he hates evil he hates injustice Uh, god hates sin He's, he's angry at injustice evil and sin and does baby connect as well with what we were talking about earlier that anger reveals the things that that we might love that God's anger is directed towards the fact that we're perhaps loving the wrong things at times. Well, absolutely. Um, we go back to thinking about you know, what makes you angry. That reveals something of your love. So if uh, I get criticised in the workplace, well, I, it may be that the criticism is untrue and I love justice, I love truth. But maybe it is like I actually just love my status and my significance and my pride. See, what makes me angry reveals what I love. In the same way, what makes God angry reveals what he loves. And we see that God is a God who loves his creation. Uh, He loves for his creatures to rightfully thank him and glorify him and and order life around his good and pleasant rule. And in the same way, when my anger is out of whack, it actually shows how my loves are out of whack. When I get more angry about a football score than I do about 1.6 1.6 million displaced people coming out of Syria and drowning in the Mediterranean. Mm. That says something about my loves. I love my footy team. I love justice. I love the fact that uh, the Swans are a great team, but I hate the fact that they're getting rough calls in the, in the umpiring at the moment. But why do I get more upset about that than I do about a, a chemical attack on TV? It's because my love is disordered. Mm. I've loved a good thing, Um, like footy and it's become an ultimate thing to me Mm. whereas my neighbor and justice and the integrity of other human beings that's that's been disordered and put out of whack Mm. so we've got a a god who gets angry and even is angry towards us because of our rebellion our sin our disordered loves loving the wrong things not loving him as we should what does he do about that anger In the week before Jesus' death, he gets so angry Mm. at what people are doing. Uh, He goes into a temple where he sees that 
um, God's people were locking other people out of truly worshipping God and he throws over the tables and he accuses them of robbery. Uh, he's angry because they're doing something that's actually stopping people worshipping God as they're created to. And so God, what God does is he says, I can't let that keep going forever. Uh, he brings judgment on that which removes us from his presence. And in Good Friday, we see this, that, that God in his love, in his slow anger, mm. says, I'm going to do something about the sin and the ignorance and the evil that, that blocks us from enjoying life as he created. Uh, and, and so we see in the cross at Good Friday, why is it good? Because his love and his justice come together, his, his mercy for sinners but his wrath on sin, all that's, that destroys and spoils, is, is dealt with. Uh, that's what's so good about God. He's both slow to anger and abounding in love. Mm. And so he actually bears his anger upon himself there. And in doing so, shows us his love as well too for us. Anger and love both at the very same moment. Justice and mercy meeting. And see, someone says, how can you reconcile the love of God uh, and this anger or judgment of God. And I say, look at the cross. Because in the cross we see both his love and his anger coming together. His anger on sin, but his love for the sinner. You've personally encountered this God who is justly angry, but shows incredible mercy and love to us in, in Jesus' death, as you've just described. How has encountering this God had an impact on anger in your life? Uh, well, I still deal with blowing up anger. I still get uh, inordinately angry about the wrong things. Usually it relates to my children and them being out of my control or poor umpiring in the football or I blow up about those things. Uh, I also have a problem with no anger. Uh, I, I don't get angry about the things I probably should be really angry about. Mm. But what the love of God and the justice of God is showing me is it's, it's slowly over time, it's, it's if, if you like, reordering my loves. Uh, over time, God is helping me to love the things that he really loves. And, and, and part of that is loving him with my whole heart, mind, soul and strength. But it's also learning to love my neighbour. And, and, and as I do that, I become more concerned about uh, justice. I become more concerned about evil and suffering and the, the things that are really at God's heart. Hmm. And your anger, I guess, comes to reflect more like his slow anger. Hopefully by God's grace, in his kindness, as his spirit is renovating me, I'm going to be angry about the right things. Hmm. Hmm. So Shane, is God angry and judgmental? Yes. He is slow to anger, but abounding in love and faithfulness. And the great news is that when you look at the cross and you see that, you see... He's angry at sin, but he has great love to the sinner. Hmm. Shane, thank you. Let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the big question, isn't God angry and judgmental? From Psalm 30. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. His anger is for a moment, but his favour lasts a lifetime. I look forward to you joining us next time on Bigger Questions. Please thank our guest today, Shane Rogerson. Thank you.
Enjoy bigger questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.